Welcome to An Honorable Profession, a podcast giving America hope since 2018. I'm Ryan Coonerty. Along with Debbie Cox Bolton of the New Deal, I'm lucky enough to be your co-host. An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. The New Deal is an organization that supports the next generation of American leaders. From attorneys generals, to state senators, to mayors, to school board members, these are the people that are pushing policies and politics that will respond to climate change, rebuild our economy, address racial injustice, and restore our democracy. These are incredibly talented people who have dedicated themselves to public service when their country and their communities need it the most. Check out NewDealLeaders.org to see what I'm talking about. Alaska Representative Maxine Dybert, welcome to An Honorable Profession. It is wonderful to be speaking to our first guest from Alaska. Thank you so much, Ryan. This is an honor to be here, and I'm just so grateful to be here and learn here in D.C. Yes, it's nice to see you in person. This is not a uh, short trip for either of us to make, but especially for you. Um, And I want to start by talking about a little bit about politics in Alaska and policy challenges of Alaska. I, I think that there are similarities across all 50 states, but my guess is Alaska is a little bit different. And so can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, Alaska is proud to say it's our largest state. <laughs> so um, it has cities, it has villages, small communities, medium communities, I'm from the interior, so right in the middle of Alaska. And so there's a lot of needs um, on the coast, uh, in rural villages, as well as our large cities. By popular understanding, it's a red state, but I think it's much more nuanced than that. Than, um, and so can you talk about um, sort of the political makeup and the, the dynamics of the state? We have... Since 2018, we have had a coalition in the House that includes independents, Republicans, and Democrats, and trying to problem solve all the issues. And that coalition continued in the 2020. And um, now it's, I was elected in 2022, and now there's two coalitions. We have a coalition, kind of like a caucus of Democrats, independents, Republicans in the majority, and in my minority, we have the same kind of, we have the same makeup. And I think that is incredibly unique. And if you could, I mean, just explain to our listeners a little bit about this caucus coalition system of government. Um, Maybe it has some hope uh, for the rest of the states that are mired in partisan politics. Yeah, it's really exciting. that Alaska is coming together to do this. And I'm just going to start with my experience um, being elected. I We have ranked choice voting in Alaska, too. And so when the top four um, candidates move ahead, and then there's then you kind of recalculate until you get to your final two, um, and that kind of you your opponent is kind of you meet in the middle and so with the election that would happen in 2022 with ranked choice voting uh, many candidates were 
kind of in the middle, like trying to, you know, do the best for their communities. And it's really exciting. And there were 17 freshmen in the house. And of those, we have a freshman caucus now. Uh, we have a, our two chairs, one is a Republican and one is a Democrat. And we try to come together to um, solve problems for our, all of Alaskans, but our, also our districts. Can you tell me how ranked choice voting works as a, as a candidate? I mean, I think we hear about it, or it's, and it's starting to have more conversation, at least in policy circles. Um, tell me about what that experience is like and, and what it's like as a voter. Sure. Um, well, when I was campaigning in August, you have the open primary. That's in August, so you're campaigning all summer. And in my race, there were three, three um, candidates. And I was the only D, the only Democrat, and the other two were Republicans. And as I was door knocking and talking to folks in my district, I had to do, I got asked a lot of questions. How does this rank choice work? And I had to do a lot of education, which is, I learned pretty quickly what a representative does. You educate your constituents. And so I was learning along with them. And I'm like, you're going to rank your all of the three candidates for this district. And we will go to a primary to see how we all did. And we're going to adjust our campaigning. You know, like, as we we're talking to folks in our district, we'll see where we land, what percentage. And then you kind of adjust, and you head towards the long run for election night. <laughs> and. But also we have early voting, and we also have mail-in voting. So there's a lot of education around, um, you know, election in Alaska. Alaska. Yeah. <clears throat> um, being an educator uh, at the door shouldn't have been a big stretch uh, for you as, you as you're a career elementary school teacher. Can you talk a little bit about the transition from elementary school to the legislature <laughs> and maybe who's better behaved at times? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, well, first of all, I never thought that I would run for office. I love teaching. I love being with our youth. And you know what all teachers say when you see a light bulb switch for a student, it's like the best thing. Um, and that's, I thought I was just going to retire in education. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of needs in the state of Alaska when it comes to education. Um, we haven't been funded the past uh, five to ten years now. And so colleagues started to ask me, like, hey, have you ever thought of running? And I said no <laughs> a bunch of times. Um, but then, you know, I asked, actually, you know, my daughter was in the legislature bef before for, um, she worked for a senator, and she was the kind of the first person I asked. And I said, hey, you know, colleagues and friends are asking me to run for office down in Juneau, down at the Capitol. So we've had New Deal leaders who have been preceded in politics by grandparents or parents. I don't know that we've had somebody whose child um, you know, preceded them in politics. <laughs> yes. can, can you talk a little bit about how um, your daughter influenced your decision to run? Absolutely. Um, that's really funny yeah, that my daughter um, beat me to the legislature. Yeah, she, um, she told us 
couple of years ago that she was going to go work for a senator in the legislature, and it knocked our socks off as parents. We were so proud of her, you know, to move to Juneau, the capital, and we didn't really know what she was going to go do, but she was a staffer, and it's such a foreign place when, you know, the legislature is so far away. A lot of people don't know what it really means. Um, so when I was starting to get asked to run for office and by my friends and colleagues, I didn't know. I said no a bunch of times, but I didn't know what to do. And so I turned to my daughter and when she, she had just returned from working down in the Capitol. And um, I said, hey, you know, my colleagues and friends are asking me to run for office. You were just there. What do you think? And she was like, without a beat, just said, heck yeah, you need to get down there. You know your community. You know Alaska's needs. You're the best person for this job. And I was like, all right. I turned to my husband. I said, I guess I'm going to run for office. <laughs> um, and that's kind of how it all started. And she's been super supportive. Um, you know, she she's like, the first thing you need to do is do a outfit change. Get out of the, <laughs> get out of the teacher's clothes into... <laughs> campaign clothes. So for more than 20 years, you were an elementary school teacher. And there's a rhythm to that, right? Like there's a, you start at each academic year and you go through the, the year and then you have a summer and then you go back. Um, I imagine jumping into politics changes all of that. Can you talk a little bit about how you um, made that transition and what it was like, the good and the bad? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I don't know how often this happens when a teacher is teaching and then closes their classroom and moves on to the legislature. Um, it's because my students were like my family. Um, we spent every day together. Probably more, I spent probably more time at school than I did at home. Um, so family is like really important and um, I knew I had to get to Juneau and do this job and figure out how to get there. And I've always loved people. And to be honest, like I loved door knocking. Like I loved getting to know my community, like looking them in the eye, shaking their hand. Um, I love that piece of it. And I knocked over like 3,000 doors in my, wow. in my district. And it just, it really, I love that part of it. So I knew I wanted to bring that to the legislature, um, is getting to know my colleagues and like, this is my new family. We're going to spend a lot of time together. And um, that was like my number one goal is like right away start to build that family sense. And luckily, when I got to Juneau, um, there were 17 freshmen along with myself elected out of 40. and we kind of leaned on each other and we actually formed um, a freshman caucus and we met every week um, on Wednesdays. We had Welcome Wednesdays uh, with uh, prior legislators who oh, wow. taught us how to read Mason's Manual, to read the rules book, um, how to 
work the floor, how to do a bill. And so we reflected that in Freshman Caucus. And we actually, our Freshman Caucus had lunch every week and we wrote three pieces of legislation together. We're working on a fourth, um, a lot of laughs, a lot of like, oh my gosh, I feel so dumb, <laughs> you know, because it's so much and leaning on each other. And in the interim, we've been meeting um, every other week and we've been having guest speakers helping us understand our state's budget, um, understanding our oil and gas infrastructure. Um, and just yesterday, I had to join into a meeting, log on to a meeting, where we had an AI um, presenter to yeah. come talk to us, like what we can do as a freshman caucus to come up with legislation. So I have my new family, <laughs> which is the freshman caucus, and of course my minority uh, caucus is a great group of people too, to lean on. One story sticks out. I knocked on a door and sometimes I would get this, you know, you knock on a door and they're like, oh no, I'm not into politics, I don't care, my vote, I don't vote ever. And I just said, hey, just give me 30 seconds, you know, let me at least tell you who I am. You know, I'm a teacher, I taught at the school, a couple blocks down the way, and this mom, she opened up the door and she's like, oh, okay, you're a teacher? And I'm like, yeah, I taught at this school. And she's like, my son went there. And I was like, oh, I'm like, who's your son? And I ended up, I, we found out that I taught her son. And I was like, yeah, so that's one, my number one priority is education, you know, like to make it a better for our students and a better um, learning places for our students. And she's like, well, you know, maybe, you know, is there, can you help lower class sizes? And I said, absolutely. That's like my number one priority. And she's like, that's, that's what I need. My son has over 30 students in his middle, um, middle school classroom. He's getting lost and it's getting harder for me to keep him in school. And that would be really great if you can do that. And then I was like, great. And she's like, I've never voted, so how do I do this? I don't have the card. I don't know where to go. So I had my little, you know, my election stuff. I'm like, here's your place where you go vote. Um, here's the day. And please go vote. You know, vote for me. If you believe in, you know, education and that priority, you should do it. And she said she would. And she took a sign. That's amazing. <laughs> so I think being a teacher is like... Yeah, I'm from the community and for the community. I think that's right. And, you know, as we all know, teachers see so much more than just the educational life of a child. You see all the needs and, mm -hmm. and the opportunities that families have. And yeah. being able to, <clears throat> to take those relationships into policy, translate them into policy, is enormous benefit. I am the only Alaska Native woman in the, in the legislature. And... It's, you know, when you look on like my half of the of the chamber, you know, to see like I'm like the only one with black hair, brown skin, brown eyes. Um, I just such a um, contrast um, compared to my colleagues. And 
my and my grandparents, I'm Koyukon Athabascan, so it's really amazing to me that my grandparents, who were just two generate yeah two generations before me, spoke fluent Koyukon, and to 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 be in the legislature two generations, my grandparents would be very proud of me if they saw where I was and probably scared. <laughs> but um, so like that experience of living um, in rural Alaska at their village in the summertime and living in a city in the, you know, during the school year um, really helped me and hearing two languages um, has totally helped me in the legislature. And I have, I've co-sponsored some uh, Alaska Native language bills, um, trying to, you know, um, get Alaska Native languages in schools again. Um, and because Alaska Native languages are dying, so that's another priority of mine. And this session, I learned that there's only 150 fluent speakers of my language. Wow. So. It's really important for me, to, for my voice to be there in the legislature. Yeah, and um, do you feel like that that voice is um, welcomed uh, as and, and to inform policy, or or do you face real challenges in in moving that legislation forward? That's a great question. I would say it's half and half. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess in the legislature, we have tribal affairs, and that's a new committee. So, in, and I'm on that committee. And it's really nice that that's in the legislature because you can bring up tribal issues more easily than, I don't even know how they did it before there was a tribal affairs committee, but I'm really glad it's there where we could talk about native language and get bills through Native culture and values, and we subsistence, and we're having really big um, impacts on our subsistence food. Like the families along the villages that I grew up in haven't been able to catch fish for five or six years. So it's really detrimental in our rural villages not having food. So we have this avenue through the Tribal Affairs Committee, and those bills get to the floor and it's really great to have um, that voice and that opportunity. And I'm on the, a large minority. We're 16 strong. And we support each other. And to have 16 voices be able to speak up on issues like this is really, really something that's been amazing to me. That's that is that's. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're there, and I'm glad oh, you. Can, thank you. <laughs> you're able to to let, to bring those issues to the forefront. Um, you've talked about the challenge <clears throat> to to fishing and subsistence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Alaska is a place that's seeing the impacts of climate change. You have glaciers um, that are melting. Can you talk a little bit about what you see as um, the future impacts of climate change mm -hmm. and um, what you're you can do to make your state more resilient. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's a yeah, Alaska is a a cold place. <laughs> <laughs> and being born and raised there, 
um, I've seen so many changes just in my lifetime. Um, I grew up eating my native foods, like salmon, and I never thought that, you know, I would ever see salmon be depleted. Um, that's, and it's, you know, it's, my mom says, well, at least we have the memory. And I was like, oh, man, that's... like, that's so harsh. And so, um, you know, adjusting to that, and I know that Alaska Native tribes are helping one another. We're working with Congress, and I know Congresswoman Mary Peltola is working really hard on um, overfishing of our salmon, and that could be a start. Um, but we also have in the capital, the, the Juneau, a piece of the glacier fell off this spring, this summer, and it caused a huge wave to crash into homes and homes fell in this this river, and we just had built low, um, affordable housing, and those got hit. So um, those are things that we never thought that we would witness. Um, and then also the permafrost is melting. So, and when you build roads over permafrost, I don't know if you've been to Alaska, when yeah. permafrost melts, the roads are like <laughs> a roller coaster. And there's I just... I thought it was bad when people <laughs> complained to me about potholes. I can't imagine uh, roads yeah. after permafrost. So, yeah, we're dealing with all of these issues of roads, food security, mm. and, you know, snow and ice melting. So It's, um, it's terrifying, right? Like, I, when you think about sea level rise... You think about sort of mass sea level rise, but what, yeah. when you have glaciers melting next door, uh, it's it's that tidal rise is is immediate and destructive. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, what do you see um, coming up in in Alaska in in politics in the legislature um, that you think the rest of the country should be should be paying attention to? Um, well, I have, I can't believe I already have to talk about <laughs> campaigning again. <laughs> I did throw my name in the hat, so, um, that it's a weird experience to get through your first session, then talk about campaigning and think about all of that hard work repeating again. Um, so I just, that's on the back of my head, you know, back of the, um, <laughs> my thoughts. Yeah. But, and also, like, this session coming up, I have a couple of pieces of legislation that um, I have to learn how to do hearings on and get testimony, and I'm looking forward to that part of being a legislator. And I guess the things that people need to know about Alaska is that... Um, maybe watch like how rank choice voting, um, how we're adjusting and learning from it and how um, it's helping not only Democrat, Democratic candidates, but it's also helping Republican candidates get elected. Um, that's what I find really interesting. Definitely climate, that's a huge because it's affecting us at a faster rate and how we're addressing that. Um, 
And I know that another bipartisan issue that we're really trying to work on is child care and the crisis around child care and workforce development. Um, Democrats and Republicans and independents are really trying to come together to solve that problem in our state. So that's exciting. And it's child care is really interesting because we have a lot of small communities and they don't have child care. So like, yeah, people can't work and it's so different in all districts across Alaska. That's why we're coming together on child care. That's great that there's a bipartisan effort on that, yeah. on that issue. Often it feels like there's not. And so, um, so we maybe hopefully that's a model for the rest of us. Yeah. I guess I'd like to, um, wrap up with, uh, you know, I think probably most of our listeners haven't been to Alaska, uh, <laughs> as my guess. Um, can you just describe to folks, um, what you love about the place you live and, and what, what people should know about Alaska that they probably <laughs> misunderstand or, or just don't even, don't even think to ask. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Come to Alaska. <laughs> it is beautiful. If you love mountains, um, the vastness of so much land, um, being able to see animals and, and it's a land of, uh, big contrasts so like where I'm from it could get down to like 40 below in the winter and it gets very cold which is and our students that when they go out to recess they go out to recess to 20 below oh my God. which is That's so crazy. <laughs> my kids complain when it's like 60 degrees <laughs> um, so yeah recess at 20 below but in the winter time the like right now um, around January, the sun will rise around 10 a.m. and set around 2 p.m. But we have these beautiful shoulders of sunrise and sunsets. It's not like the sun sets and it's done. Um, and then at night in the wintertime, we have the northern lights that light up the sky and they dance like green, purples, and yellows. Um, and then in the summertime, the sun doesn't set. <laughs> so <laughs> if you, it's really, if you come in the summertime, you're going to have to wear sunglasses 24-7. <laughs> um, that's why we have amazing gardens in Alaska. We've got like 100-pound cabbages. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, so it's just an extreme place to live. It's beautiful and wild and um yeah it's everyone should come to alaska <laughs> i should say i went to alaska for the first time this summer and was blown away by the um by the vastness and then also yeah the the like the whales right next to you there's bears there's like yeah. everything is is it's it's ingrained into the into your everyday life in a way mm -hmm. that like it's it's inconceivable I think for most people to, yeah. to understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being a New Deal leader uh, and representing your state um, in New Deal for the rest of us. And um, I think I think there are exciting things to learn um, on electoral reform and other things from Alaska that 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 maybe a maybe an approach that could help what ails so much of the country. So thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you.
An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. Thanks to the team at New Deal for producing this episode. We encourage you to bring honor to public service, and because we keep things honorable, no tax dollars are used in the making of this podcast.